Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. Hey guys, Seth here. This is Monsteropolis, and I just wanted to do a quick disclaimer before this week's episode to let you guys know that the audio quality is suspect on this week's show and next week's show. We're aware of the issue. We had problems with the mixer we use, and the audio quality on the show overall just was lacking. So we, rather than go a week or two without a new show, we're just posting the audio uh, episode as is, we did as much work with it as we could, but, uh, it's listenable, but it's not as good as it should be. So we're aware of the issue and, uh, it won't happen again. Enjoy the show. Big bottom. You got it. That's me. That's what I always say. <laughs> Fat bottom, Mark. <laughs> say no more. All right, test. Hey, 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 hey. Looks like we're right around the same volume for once. All right. Oh, I just went right into it. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a while. Hey, we're recording over there too. Recording. This is still adjusting. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Freelove. I'm joined as always by my, I'm joined as always by my faithful companion, uh, Mark Matsky. Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to advertise the Taco Bell yeah. as much as possible. Special shout out to Taco Bell. Taco Bell, this week's sponsor. Thank you for for sponsoring us, Taco Bell. Yeah. For believing in us. So much water. Um, Making so much water available. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, it's flavor. It, never mind. I'm just gonna vote. probably say something at home. So, um, okay. Let's see. I don't have any letters. We don't have letters. Letters have dried up. Yeah, it's been a while since we had letters. Uh, but this week we we have none. Uh, you can send us mail, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. We'll read your letter on the show. We may have to advertise in a mailbag mm-hmm. episode because that tends to produce. Yeah, fruit for us. Mm-hmm. People of thoughtful questions and statements. This is the official podcast of Small Town Monsters, um, a a 
film production company based in why I don't know why I do this. Why do I have to introduce who we are? Um, <clears throat> we it's polite. Yeah. Hello. Uh, so we were commenting that it seems like it's been a while since we saw each yeah. other when you walked in. I'm not sure why that is because I don't think it was that long. Maybe it's just the distance that you were away. It felt like a, a world away. If we're gonna, if this is the Louisiana episode, I have a lot to say about the distance. Oh, very good. Yeah, I think it. Let's do that. I, I feel like that would be a good initial burst, and then yeah, it, then it gets Olympic, like right up to the edge of us yes. leaving. That would I'm, be cool. I'm excited about that. Um, the the before we get into talking about Louisiana and the Rougarou and all that stuff, uh, the squad. Uh, Small Town Monster Squad uh, on YouTube. You go on there, you click the join button, you become a member. We've had some confusion about how you join because YouTube is doing nothing to make this whole beta process any easier on us. <laughs> it is only, uh, that join tab is only viewable, as far as I know, on a desktop. Now, I've tested mm -hmm. it out on my phone but i was on the desktop version on my phone not mm -hmm. the mobile version you will not see the join tab if you're on a phone so if you're confused about that that's the issue now once you're a member you should have access to the playlist for the, the for members so on on the main page of the stm youtube there's a members only playlist you can go through that once you're a member uh, on any device. So even if you're on like a Roku TV, you should be able to watch that stuff on your TV. Uh, we are aware there are issues with this members-only stuff currently. And when we joined, we were aware that it would be a process as well. It's taking longer for them to work out kinks than I would have liked. So I'm hoping if they don't, if they don't fix stuff soon, fairly soon in the next few months, we will start looking toward migrating over to something like Patreon. Um, it would remain the exact same as far as what content you're getting, but, but we are starting to look toward ways to make it easier on people to actually uh, join this and, and see the content that we're creating. Um, the third episode of On the Trail of Hauntings is out. Uh, it features a very funny cold opening, which I strongly recommend everyone check out. Uh, and then you can watch uh, Monsteropolis uh, recorded. You can watch Mark and I talk. Uh, what else is on there? Uh, production Diaries, Aaron is in the next room right now, hard at work on Production Diaries from the Louisiana shoot. So if you want to see what it was like for us down there, um, and, and, and if you're watching the Sun Squad right now, you may be seeing clips. Um, I'm not sure what his plan is for Monster Up mm -hmm. this week. Sometimes he inserts clips, sometimes he doesn't. But uh, there might be some stuff put into the show Very this week cool. as well. Um, what else do we have? Uh, we just announced the Mark of the Bell Witch release re-release oh, through 1091 yeah. starts on may 11th what did i say may 11th there's two dates here and i can i think it's I may know. 11th uh and it's either may 8th or may 11th and uh it'll be available on all major streaming platforms currently the only way you can watch it is through dvd and blu-ray uh at smalltownmonsters.com the streaming version will relaunch in may uh june 11th or 8th uh <laughs> On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey comes out through 1091, available on all major VOD platforms. Beyond that, uh, Mark and I will both be at the Canton Palace theater premiere Man, I can't wait. of On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey. Uh, you'll be able to see that movie on the biggest screen in Canton, Ohio. 
in Stark County, Ohio. It used to be they said they advertised it as the largest screen in Northeast Ohio. I don't know if that's still the case, but either way, uh, come to the premiere on June or April 17th, Canton Palace Theater. We will have copies of the movie on DVD and Blu-ray. So if you're a Kickstarter backer, you'll also receive those copies in the mail way in advance of that June release for the film. Um, June 8th is the day. June 8th is the day I that the, the Lord hath made. It's <laughs> the day that the, the On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey will come out uh, oh, on man. the streaming platform. So uh, if you want to see it before then, come to the premiere at the Camp Palace Theater on April 17th. Tickets are like seven bucks, six bucks, seven bucks. You have to buy them. If you buy them in advance, you have to do it through the phone, but I wouldn't even worry about it. There's... They're, they're, well, it's a 1,200-seat theater, but I know they're holding like 400 tickets for this. So unless we blow the uh, On the Trail of Bigfoot, the legend premiere out of the water, mm -hmm. we should have plenty of tickets. Um, I think that's all the announcements. Yeah, I, I can't wait to be in there again. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like having the NCAA tournament back. Yes. Wow, I didn't realize how much I missed it. So it is weird i when i was in there for the hauntings mm -hmm. shoot for episode four of hauntings is about the canton palace theater um yeah it was weird it was like being home again and it was it was it was it hit me i hadn't been there since the momo premiere right i mean that was a very very long time mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. uh two years later this this year since since we did a, a screening there so um and and we have some other stuff coming up we're going to be talking about trips and the next episode, especially too. Yeah. I want to say a word about Paranormal Unexplained. Mm -hmm. I'm learning things on that show. It's really, it's been educational for me. Like, the, like I don't know. I don't keep up with this stuff, evidently. Yeah. Because I don't either. Like, the that debunked video, was it, was it Dorby or what's that thing? Rubber Johnny, is that the one? <laughs> Over Johnny or something like that. With underwear on his head. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. that one. Dob, Dobby. Dobby. Dobby yeah. the house elf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that there was an extra story to that. I didn't either. Um, it's really interesting. <laughs> Just listening to Santino kind of go through all of these. And right. Say, well, it was debunked, or this story came out later, and like that other one, the um, special effects guy mm -hmm. as part of a, a music video. Right. 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 I, I, I don't know. It's a whole portal to a new area so it's pretty fun they're fun to watch and those are free on youtube so if you want to know what paranormal and explain it is just look it up You'll absolutely free yeah uh i think this week's episodes adrian is is uh guest appearing <laughs> as i make my exit my oh, inevitable exit the shoehorn in and yeah yeah the handoff i lasted four episodes <laughs> uh, that was always the plan the third person was supposed to come and go so yeah this is me leaving for now. I'll be back. Um, so she'll bring like a sort of a <clears throat> hard skepticism to it, or what, what um, do you expect? I don't know for, what uh, to expect. I <laughs> shudder to think. Uh, <laughs> I did warn her of the YouTube comments. Uh, they, they're a thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's real. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's something about the YouTube audience, not our squad members, but uh, the Just, YouTube audience. Yeah, quite a certain element. Yes. Uh, yeah, the um, Paranormal Unexplained has been a lot of fun, and th that we're shooting new episodes of that. The the next episode actually comes out. Uh, well, by the time this releases, this would be confusing. So I'll just say that episode four is out when you when you watch this or listen to this episode of 
Monsteropolis, and you should check it out. What do we have? I was just going to sit here for a second quietly. <laughs> We're talking about the just-wrapped uh, Howl of the Rougarou shoot, which took place in southern, deep, deep, deep south Louisiana. We wrapped last week, and it was um, one of the one of the longest... It is the longest we've driven for a shoot. How long did it take uh, hours-wise? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> actually on the road driving, probably 17 and a half. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we, were, we stopped for on the first night, so we made it about, we made it past Nashville on the first night. Mm-hmm. We left late in the afternoon, made it to Nashville. So it was 17 after so that. 17, well, no, it was, that was <laughs> the first, that was the first six, seven hours. Okay. And then we had 10 plus okay. the next day. Of course, you hit traffic, which is inevitable, and you're also stopping to maintain your sanity along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we finally rolled in, I was completely bushed, like I was absolutely beat. And then we didn't stop. So, yeah, we traveled 3,500 miles over the course of the seven days, eight days that we had the car. Um, the, the 17 hours in the car to get from Ohio to there that was just the travel time to the destination. What we found out upon arriving there is I put us in probably the furthest place I could have in terms of where we were actually filming. Oh, wow. So one one thing I ran into while we were setting the shoot up was um, I, I, I just couldn't find rental houses down there. I couldn't find rental houses close to the central location, which was Homa. Um, and so I kept... You know, I kept trying, and then I was at one point I was looking at maybe putting us in New Orleans. I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like it's going to be close to where we need to be at all. So I found a place, coastal place called um, this is this is up for debate apparently among various Cajuns. Uh, the place is called Ch- Chauvin or Chauvin or Chauvin or Chauvin. Okay. I, was told, I swear, I was told something different by every person. Yeah. They all correct you and tell you you're saying it wrong. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. But but this is where we stayed, and and it was um, uh, as far south in that state as you can get. Like we were down on the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. And so that in itself was was very cool, and that's actually going to play a role in the movie and the story we're telling because of that disappearing coastline. I think we've talked a yeah. little, little bit about, uh, and now that I've I've seen it for myself and I understand what we're talking about, the gravity of that situation is much more prevalent for me. It's it's. Um, it is the thing, the element, the story element with that particular story that I've connected with mm-hmm. at this point is this idea of um, entire regions of that state just disappearing underwater. That's that in itself is really fascinating. Yeah, in the reel that you sent, that's it leads with that. Mm-hmm. Somebody's talking about yeah. that as a real thing, and, when and it grabs your attention. He's speaking about that where you're seeing that drone footage. He's yeah. talking about that, and. And it's hard to explain to an audience listening to this, but I, I put together a sizzle reel with footage, which I always do when we get back from a trip. And the footage is just a marshland, which is the Gulf. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. that's the water from the Gulf. And the the man we interviewed is speaking about the fact that the area that we're in was at one time. I don't know if he says it in that part. I can't remember what lines he uses, but what he's talking about is that that area used to be forest. And even a neighborhood. 
And wow. that road, I don't know if you can quite see it there, but you're flying toward a road called Bayou Sally Road. Have you ever heard of Bayou Sally Road? I have not. Okay, so it's one of the most haunted roads in America, supposedly the most haunted road in Louisiana. Okay. And apparently those legends grew up around that road back when it used to be Cypress um, oh, wow. cypress trees lining the roads and mm -hmm. forests, and there was even a neighborhood on that road. And today there's no trees. It's <clears throat> marshland and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's being inundated with water. Um, and it, but apparently that's all because of this coastal erosion that's going on there. Uh, very eye-opening. Our fishing camp where we stayed will be underwater. So it's only a matter of time wow. until, until the area where we stayed will actually go under as well. And then it would be more like um, you wouldn't drive there. You would take a boat mm -hmm. to stay there. That's crazy. Uh, and and so the we were not in what I consider classic Louisiana. Like, what do you picture when you think of Louisiana? Well, my only experience with it really has been New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So that's what I just default to is that and the Mississippi River and sort of that kind of maybe Honey Island yeah. But I don't even have a clear picture of that in right my mind. Did either. you really? Yeah. So the so the classic like swamp, like swampy trees bayou. Yeah, I mean, kind of the the. I know it's not the same area, but like the opening to Falk. Yeah. You know the Legend of Boggy Creek, just the gators and the animals floating around in the in the bayou. Yeah, that was not where we we stayed. Like in this, apparently where we stayed was at one time like that. Yeah. Like we're we're down in this marshland where we stayed and it was beautiful. I mean, mm -hmm. it really was gorgeous, but it was, you know, a lot of like rundown houses, rundown cars and rusted out vehicles sitting on the sides of the roads and places not being kept up and, and boats sunk in the water. And hmm. it's kind of interesting landscape, not what I had pictured. Now, did I imagine this or did he say something about levees? Like it's not levied so, or something? <clears throat> yeah, where we were staying was levied yeah. or was not levied. Not What's levied. interesting is the levee was about a mile and a half up the road from the Airbnb we were at. And those levees on the other side of the levees, those people are protected from these waters, especially during floods. That's the whole point of them. Mm -hmm. Where we were, the one day it flooded. I don't know if I sent you the footage I shot. So it came out of nowhere, but the winds were real bad. And all of a sudden, the river that runs behind our house went from being, you know, like four or five feet deep below the dock to in our backyard and then eventually in our garage. And I have footage of it. It was about a, a foot of water in our garage. Crabs were all over the yard and everything. I mean, it was, it was wild. Wow. And that's apparently because we're on the other side of that levee protection system. Mm -hmm. So all that water hits that levee and then it's coming, you know, it's, it's coming, it's not going anywhere. So it ends up, the area we're in gets submerged. Um, it caught my attention that there were homes and trailers and things built on stilts. Everything is, yeah. Yeah. Everything. And then... And they realize saying, you know, there's uh, the graves, the cemetery. Yes. Um, the, I mean, that's fam They're well, Louisiana is well known for that, but everything's buried above ground. Mm -hmm. So like bodies are above ground. And that's a really strange thing to see as well. Um, but yeah, just the landscape was really not what I was expecting. Now, when we got to um, our final night there, which was Friday night or Thursday night, Thursday night, it was Thursday night. Uh, we took a boat trek 
And that was pretty far from Chauvin, Chauvin, Chauvin. Chauvin. <laughs> it's, it's getting worse as I try to say this. But yeah. um, we were further toward like an area uh, called Lafitte, Lafitte, um, Louisiana. We're, we're over toward that area. And that is sort of more, much more what I pictured. Now, this was also just, I think for all of this, us, this was the highlight of the trip. Because what originally happened was we were supposed to have a boat ride on Friday. And the boat, the people who were chartering the boat to us would not allow us to do it at sunset or after dark. And so to me, that sucked because that I didn't really want a harsh sun in a blue sky. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not the footage I wanted. I wanted sunset footage and then even a little dark. And so we, we made a phone call on Wednesday, I think it was. And Aaron had seen a sign off the road while we were driving back the day before from a local state park. And it uh, it was a, a swamp tours by a man named Captain Caviar. And <laughs> it also advertised ghost tours. Oh. So we thought that sounds like the type yeah. of guy who would love to take a bunch of Rougarou seekers out into the swamps at sunset. So I called him and unfortunately he already had stuff booked mm-hmm. he was all pumped up about it he was like we'll go sunday and i was like now nah, we, we're trying to do this now so we can actually leave on friday instead of just staying instead of staying till saturday and so he moved some things around and ended us ended up taking us out at 5 30 and it wasn't the other place we were supposed to go was just um i can't remember oh mandalay do you know Mandalay National Wildlife Refuge? It's a national mm-hmm. park. Yeah. So it was going to be in that swamp. And we mm-hmm. filmed in there the day before, but this was something else. This was the boat tour was going to take us deep into that. Mm-hmm. And that would have been cool. But this boat tour took us into the Atchafalaya Wilderness. So like, and originally it was supposed to be like 17 miles back into the Atchafalaya. Wow. So uh, what we did is the next day, we that, that final day, that Thursday, we drove to Captain Caviar's. He's called Captain Caviar because he sells caviar or makes caviar, however that works. Mm-hmm. His uh, he lives in a house haunted by his uh, dead wife, his, his recently deceased wife. Wow. Um, he's got tons of cool stories. He's worked on television shows, uh, and he owns a haunted house there. Like it's next door, and he said it's a haunted. He's turning it into like an Airbnb. He's also got a house. <laughs> Uh, floor above him that he says is haunted. So he's very much about like the lo- local lore and legends. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he knew of a Rougarou nest, which he took us to. Really? Uh, and we went, so he's, his house is, sits on the banks of the Atchafalaya River. Uh, he's got a 500-year-old tree in his front yard, oh. just this gorgeous oh, that's tree. The, that's the one. The that's shop. not the Evangeline oh, okay. tree, no. Okay. That one's unreal. Mm-hmm. That I had to talk about as well because that was total happenstance that that happened, mm-hmm. uh, and it involves us getting kicked out of a state park. And all this other <laughs> stuff. Uh, but we, anyway, I'm trying to make this as brief as I can so it's not like extremely boring because I know we're not talking about the paranormal here right now. But we get well, Captain Caviar. Captain Sounds Caviar. Like he's all he about is it. it. Yeah, he, he's he's uh, Blackbeard's ghost in real life. Um, but he takes us out on the river, and then we're on that river for probably three, four miles, maybe further, maybe five miles Mm -hmm. before you hit the lock. And then that's pretty cool. The lock opens up. They let us in. We sit in there. They close both ends. You sit in there and you sit there till the one lock closes and then the other lock opens. And when it opens, you know, the the water level raises or lowers. And I've never been Mm -hmm. on one of those. So that was cool. And then we go through 
and you go through that second lock and as soon as you do there's all the cypress and everything that comes oh. up and you're in the you're in the wilderness yeah and so something you'll appreciate um they filmed the very first tarzan movie back there so he took us to what he calls tarzan bayou really? where they filmed uh oh that uh we got to see a fish some fishing camps back in the swamps which is pretty cool because mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you of you, you me of like you're in 20,000 or uh Pirates of the Caribbean because mm-hmm. you could just come through and all of a sudden there's these cabins sitting up in the yeah. woods oh, wow. you know like on this it's it's just crazy like the, there were these birds and I shot them in slow motion like there's these birds flying beside our boat and we're flying through there you know and mm-hmm. these birds are over there and film, film them and Zach's like hanging out and Dave's <laughs> over there it was like classic STM yeah right? you know like those are always the moments to me that feel like we're on an STM shoot mm-hmm. the interviews and everything I love but those adventure moments, yeah, yeah. that's when everything kind of like hits, yeah. right? And You're doing it, yeah. And so we're flying out through this swamp, you know. And he's telling us, "Oh yeah, there's submerged trees under here." Last week, I tore the bottom of the boat up. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. I'm like, "Geez, what happens if you go under?" <laughs> he's he's like, "I've never crashed in all the years I've been doing this." Blah blah blah. Oh man, I'm like, if it happens now, we're done. We're done because like, so okay, so we get out there, we see this Tarzan Bayou, the sun setting. He's flying from location to location, giving us like maybe five minutes of each location to try and get shots off yeah. before we take off for the next location. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show us as much as he can and as varied of, of a landscape as he can before it gets too dark. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he, he's taking us to all these spots. We see the Tarzan thing. And then he tells us about the, uh, the Rougarou nest, right? Which was, I mean, no insult to Captain Caviar, but <laughs> I'm sure he knows his stuff, but pretty clearly a beaver dam um so we but we're rolling through there and we slow down because we're coming up on the nest and mm-hmm. as we slow down i see what i think is a uh toppled tree in the woods was i'm looking at this thing we come around this we kind of like do this little turn in the water the boat starts to turn because he's trying to give us shots of the and as we're doing that the sun hits this tree and suddenly it like shivers hmm. and i'm like that's a alligator <laughs> it, oh. it i told aaron originally 12 feet but he told us that they max out at 12 feet in that area yeah so i'm like there's no way i happen to see like a max out alligator but in the wild where we were that's the biggest alligator i've seen and we saw alligators on this trip a lot like mm-hmm. while we were just back in the woods we saw them so it was different from somewhat different from Boggy Creek in that I feel like that kind of stuff is way more readily available there. Mm-hmm. If you want to go see an alligator or snakes, uh, it's not even snake season. We saw like three snakes on our hike into the woods. Yeah. So there's snakes and alligators everywhere. But that alligator is the biggest I've ever seen in the wild. That's crazy. How close were you to it? We were a pretty good distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 70, 80 feet. Because mm-hmm. I saw in some shots they looked... Fairly close. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, so the other ones we got close to. Yeah, yeah, there were others that we got close to. The one, um, there was one at Mandalay when we went for a walk there. We There's a, um, there's like a platform you walk out, and it's pretty far out. So you get to walk kind of out into the middle of the, <laughs> you know, the big swampy area. Yeah. And Graydon was the one who found it. It was laying underwater, and I don't know how he noticed it, but, I mean, it's, it's completely submerged, and there it was. And that yeah. one was pretty good size. That one was probably, like, five, six feet. Uh, the other one, there was another one we saw the next day when we got kicked out of that park. Uh, 
And that one was... That's, that, too, is a STM. Yeah. It's not really a shoot until... Yeah, until... You get kicked out of a state land somehow. Yeah, and it, I mean... Anyway, the boat trek was crazy. Yeah. You'll really... I think that'll be sort of the the iconic footage in the film will, mm-hmm. will come from those moments. You've seen some of the shots already. Of, from, yeah. Gorgeous yeah. shots in this. Um, Did you see any um, gator eye shine? At no, night? I wish. The, yeah. red, the red eyes. We talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, just real quick, uh, the the whole kicked out of the park. Yes. Incident. Oh, yeah. So STM is run and gun, which means very often we fail to look into what the permit situations are for certain places we were in a state park i'm not going to say which one and um basically they just found out we were there filming Mm -hmm. and ran us out of the park what i have to say though is heather saved this trip on multiple occasions and i have no idea how much time she was she was spending working on it back home because to me it seemed like we were constantly in contact I'm talking like we'd be out filming something and i'd be on the phone with her one second then two seconds later she's texting me like go here do this so what happened is they kicked us out of the park within 10 minutes, literally. She's like, give me 10 minutes. Within 10 minutes, she had us another filming location, had that witness that was heading to the other location already beelining for the other location. We leave, meet them at that location at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. All she told me is, it's this little town, St. Martinsville, real close to you. Uh, there's some famous old oak tree there. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh-huh. And I know about the Evangeline Oak because while I was doing all my research on Louisiana, that kept coming up because of that poem. Mm-hmm. And there's also a song that kind of like draws off of that Longfellow poem. So I was aware of it. And then we get there and I'm like, it's literally the oak tree. It's kind of like, it's the, I mean, it's by far the most famous tree in that state, but it's probably one of the most famous trees in America. And it just happened to be where she filmed. So we yeah. filmed with that oak tree right behind oh, us. We nice. were in that park. And she got permission from City Hall to film there. Wow. Just on the fly. So That's like a movie in itself. You know, yeah. you have the person at home base like That's, giving you the directions, go here. I've never had <laughs> that experience on yeah. the shoots. Usually it'd be me frantically trying to find a place or like canceling. I, I said originally, like, we might just need to cancel this because we don't have a place to shoot. But... She just was, we had people cancel and then she would immediately replace them. Hmm. She added a final interview at the very end, as we got in the car, the day we left, we left 40 minutes after the final interview wrapped, which our only other experience with that kind of thing would be like uh, Bray Rep when we shot the Bray Oh yeah. Um, And the interview offered something massive to the film. Really? That I'm really excited about. Oh, cool. So, um. And I don't know, I could probably talk about it. I wanted, it's something I wanted to mention to you, but basically there's this legend about the origin of the Rougarou. Hmm. And it, it's the native version of that legend. It's mm-hmm. the Native American version of the Rougarou origin. Um, everyone, I think, mostly considers this a French-derived uh, story, but mm-hmm. there's, so there's this legend about the Atacapus tribe which is still an existent tribe. Um, the Atacapus uh, went to war with two other tribes whose names I can't even pronounce, so I'm not going to mm. say it. Um, and they went to war with them because they were uh, cannibalistic. The, the Atacapus were uh, cannibalistic. And so these other two tribes uh, banded together and went after the Atacapus. They defeated them and drove them into the swamps. 
they were starving in the swamps and and as this woman put it they made a deal with the devil and became essentially like skinwalkers hmm. and that is right there like that is in that part of the country before french ever showed up this legend was there mm-hmm. this story was there and so i thought that was great i read it in a brad steiger book so i had qualms with it because mm-hmm. i did not know if i would be able to verify this is anything real and you have to be very careful obviously because that tribe is still there today mm-hmm. um and thankfully this woman happens to yeah have heritage in that tribe and verified the entire story. Wow. Um, just independently. Yeah. I just asked her yeah. offhandedly and she told her own version that of it that lined good. up with Brad's. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Uh, well, that will definitely be a part of the movie, so spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but her interview just in general was really cool. Kind of a classic werewolf story involving her uncle. Um, not going to go into too much detail about it. But um, also learned about some other native legend uh there's a dwarf there that people see with a like a long sucker or something coming off its mouth and apparently it sucks on the nipples of babies very disturbing wow uh, native <laughs> legend that we were told uh she's seen it twice uh her family members have seen she's it. seen it twice they, they all claim to have seen this so not in action i hope <laughs> No, they believe it was there because of her granddaughter, I believe, or oh, something. Yeah, back off. Yeah, scary stuff. Um, Gosh. So yeah, what do you, do you have anything you want to ask about the the Rukuru stuff? Yeah, so we can well, try to get on target. Sure. Well, like in general, yeah. like overall, what's like the temperature of seriousness? You're gonna see more so than in any movie I've ever made that everyone in that area from from childhood to present day, is told about the Ruguru, or Mm. warned about the Ruguru. Mm -hmm. And it has gone on that way for centuries. So even if they don't believe in the Ruguru, everyone we met had a story to tell about the Ruguru. And how how they were warned not to go out in the woods as kids after dark because of the Ruguru. There's multiple ways in which the Ruguru might be drawn to you or you might curse yourself. Uh, the biggest seems to be like Lent, um, not 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 fulfilling. What is it? Fulfilling Lent or whatever? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, not fulfilling not it. Taking it not seriously. taking it seriously and being a part of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, the, there's uh, but there's others. Like there's all these different ways in which you can you can you know the Ruguru can't count to twelve so or thirteen so you you put uh, a calendar or a colander with with like holes near your house and it can't come in because it'll stop and try to count and then oh it gets goodness. confused there's all sorts of folklore about the Ruguru um, and the exciting thing for me about this movie as opposed to something like Mothman or even Bray Road is that there's so much to this story that's never been put forth anywhere like I can tell you just in the research I did into this film it is very difficult to find Ruguru legends, mm-hmm. folklore, and that kind of stuff available to, to learn about the Ruguru. Yeah. Um, so you'd, un- have, you'd have to look into it like in old folklore collections mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So what we're doing, I think, is probably the, for the first time putting putting out there like a, uh, a compilation of a lot of the, the knowledge that exists from locals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is originally I told Heather I need like six interviews. Because my thought 
process was. And this kind of gives you insight, listeners insight into how much our movies change during the process. It's something you're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. But um, my original <laughs> um, my original thinking about this was that we would have a minimal amount of witnesses to interview. I just didn't think we had enough. Um, and that's because Heather only had like three lined up before the trip. She was lining them up while we were there. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of wild. Like we, she never stopped working on this right yeah. until the end. So, um, so I told her six people is enough because my plan was to come back and get interviews with some other experts from Ohio and, and even Wisconsin and some of these other places who could speak to the dog man on, on a whole more from like, mm-hmm. a, you know, almost like legacy, Mothman legacy, that kind of approach. And instead we ended up with like eight or nine. I can't remember. I think it's eight interviews, five of them witnesses, which is a really good number yeah. for our movies. Um, and three uh, local experts who can speak about the Ruguru from a, you know, a Cajun perspective, from a mm-hmm. Native American perspective. We interviewed two Homa, Homa Indians and, and um, uh, I can't remember her name. The last lady we interviewed with the Atakapas uh, heritage. There's a lot of Native influence on, on the story as a whole uh, that we'll be telling because a lot of the people we interviewed have that mm-hmm. background. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I'm delaying the movie until the end of the year because I want to be able to very much invest myself in the telling of it now, which I, I did all along. But I thought we had it a little more. I thought we had something a little more straightforward where I could kind of draw off of some of the previous stories we've told. So I could be like, OK, well, this is going to be like this movie. Now I think we have something completely different. In a way, we might have, like, the... I said this about Momo, but I think we might have the quintessential small-town monster mm. movie. Because it's... It, the Ruguru influence on the region is unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Where you can talk to anyone. Yeah. We were in a grocery store, and some woman asked... The, this girl, little young girl, like 18, 19 years old, working the register, asked why we were there. And Zach told her. And as soon as he said Ruguru, she started laughing. And Zach was like, you think you know about the Ruguru? And she said, yeah, my mama always used to tell me not to go in the woods after dark. The Ruguru would get me. Wow. And that was constant. Every yeah. single person we talked to. Yeah. So, it, you know, you you kind of have a variation of that in in a place like Adams with the Bell Witch. But this is on a, ne- this is on a regional scale of the entire state, hmm. it seems like, at mm-hmm. least. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be... Um, and, and the... The sightings run the gamut of flesh and blood, creature in the woods encounter to very um, ethereal, mm-hmm. you know, psychological encounters. Mm. So I'm kind of excited about that as well. It's going to be, it's it's going to be good. Yeah, to have that many witnesses in mm-hmm. it is kind of striking. Mm-hmm. I that not what my expectation was. I don't know what it was, but yeah. So was there any? Did you like independently hear any Bigfoot? type stories are those mixed in or no yeah um uh yes uh there was one witness that i interviewed on the second to last day and he had a story that that he's not convinced it was ruguru or bigfoot his dad pretty definitively had a bigfoot encounter back in the woods Mm. and we had a great talk he hung out he he showed up in the middle of a severe storm Oh, uh, out on the coast. So yeah. we had to drive through it to get there. Um, 
and and when he was done with the interview, it was still pouring. I was like, let's just go sit outside. So him and I went out and sat on the porch for about an hour. And he was the one that re- you hear his voice at the beginning of the yeah. sizzle reel. Okay. That's him. Uh, and we just hung out. And I was so fascinated by his story and his dad's story because they involved sounds mm-hmm. heard, heard in the woods. And that's something I've heard. So I was curious about that. Um, the biggest thing we talked about was he believes Bigfoot's real and the Bigfoot is probably down there. And after being there, I believe I, if they exist, why not? Like, like it's like being in the Adirondacks. Why not here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no one in those cypress swamps are deep as can be. I mean, you, as soon as you get out of new Orleans, you're on this highway and all of a sudden this highway, have you, have you been through that area where it's like, you're on you're on this highway, and all of a sudden this highway is cut through the middle of a cypress oh, yeah. swamp that just mm-hmm. stretches as far as the eye can see on both sides of the road. Right. And I'm driving through there like, why not here? You know. Like, yeah. So, and I asked him like, if they're real, if uh, Bigfoot's real, do you think their habitat is in danger out here? Because like he was telling me that the area where his encounter, his dad's encounter happened, was forest, and he said absolutely. Today it's it's marsh. It's like where mm-hmm. we were. It's marshland. The trees are gone. The forest is gone. That's Bayou Sally Road, mm-hmm. which used to be forest and neighborhood. Um, there's still the the husks of those trees. Really? It's interesting to see. They stick up out of the water. Uh, they're all black. I don't know what that's from. I don't know if they've been burned or if that's like mm-hmm. just ha- what happens. But um, for the most part, there's no evidence that that was ever a forest. But there's these... There's these husks of these trees. I call them skeletons of the trees mm-hmm. that used to be there. And um, and then there's one other out past Bayou Sally Road. You look out into the marsh, and way out in the middle of nowhere, there's a huge forest, like, island. And it's, oh, wow. it must have been a hill or something, you right. know, at one time where it's still sticking up out of the marsh huh. with all these trees. And it just looks like a normal – it's not like – it's not um, palm trees – you know, like you see palm mm-hmm. trees in the middle of it's not that it's just like for, like right. oak and stuff sticking up. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. But yeah, um, there were definitely some Bigfoot stories told. And mm-hmm. Bigfoot stories. Um, we had talks about all sorts of local legends. A lot of ghost stories. Um, I, I'm assuming a lot of that ghost story stuff has to do with the. I mean, there's just abandoned. Everything's abandoned. Not everything, mm-hmm. but there's there's abandoned stuff everywhere you look. Right. And so I'm, I was going to ask because you said there's neighborhoods. Yeah. On that road, are those homes? I don't know. Still if underwater. Yeah. But I just know that he told told me there used to be houses on that road. Mm-hmm. There used to be a, a neighborhood. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if the houses are underwater or what. But uh, yeah. It's it was it was a totally unique environment for mm-hmm. us. You know, it's not. It's not the classic for no matter where we were, it never felt like we were in a place we were familiar with. We, we I didn't have that familiarity until we got back into Alabama. Like mm-hmm. once we left Louisiana and headed up through Alabama, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, here's forest again. And we're kind of out of the, the strange like waterways and canals and everything yeah. that are down there. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, really a crazy place to find. Hmm. Okay. One more yeah. question. Best meal. Uh, it's a good question. I will say the food was a little underwhelming. Oh, what I thought. So I don't know if this was just because of where we were picking. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite was the first place we ate, which was called 1921, and it's a seafood seafood place. Mm-hmm. 
kind of um you know it wasn't like fancy we didn't eat anywhere fancy when we were there mm-hmm. uh everything was kind of like hole, hole in the wall kind of places yeah. and so this was a hole in the wall we had been told to go check it out right we got fried gator for an appetizer. No way. Oysters, which what was that like? Massive. It was good. Was I've it? had gator before. I've had okay. gator and snapper before, um, and it was good. It was it was good. They gave you cheese sauce with it, which was <laughs> kind of weird uh, because it's like fried. It's almost like it'd be like if someone gave you cheese so- sauce with like chicken fingers. It just didn't make any sense <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, so it was good, but it was strange. Okay. Um, the oysters were amazing. And then for dinner, I had, oh man, what did, oh, I had, uh, so they were jalapeno peppers mm-hmm. and then they're deep fried and they're stuffed with crab meat. <laughs> so it's these jalapeno peppers and they're stuffed with crab meat. Oh, wow. And then it's deep fried. Yeah. And those were great. Um, and Graydon, who went with us, mm-hmm. uh, had a po' boy, which he'd never had. Graydon, Graydon's my nephew. He's 15. He's He hasn't really spent a lot of time out of the state. So this entire experience was, like, brand new for him. Uh, so he had he ended up eating two po- po boys on the trip. Uh, yeah, I would say the food was good. I just was, I think, a couple of the places we went to were a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have some really good catfish, too. Oh yeah, that's good. good Mexican. We got Mexican like two nights. Mm-hmm. So hard to find food. I mean, we were so far down that town we were in that anywhere you wanted to go was forty minutes. So if we wanted to go to Homa, you had to drive forty minutes to get to like a McDonald's. Wow. If you wanted to go, interviews were, you know, most of the interviews we shot at our place. I think we shot probably five or six of the interviews at our place. Mm-hmm. But we had at least two interviews out of the area, and those were both like two plus hours away. Is that because it was like one way in, one way out? I guess so, yeah. 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 And, and I think there used to be more ways in and out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everything's underwater. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Bayou Sally Road on a map, if you're on Bayou Sally and you pull up Google Maps, you're underwater. Wow. Like on the map. Really? Because it's like you're driving and there's just marshland Holy on smokes. both sides. So it looks like you're in the Gulf of Mexico on a map. Uh-huh. It's really kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really cool trip. I'm I'm very excited for people to see the movie, but there's definitely going to be a wait because we those the there are so many aspects to this that have never been covered that it's not like Bigfoot or or Mothman where I can be like okay, well there's people can pick up this somewhere else or whatever. I feel like a I feel like we have a duty to to do this in a very specific way that really doles out all the information that people need about this particular legend and how it's grown and how it's changed over time. One thing that someone said to, to us is that the Ruguru is actually, it seems like it's more popular right now, right? Because there's mm-hmm. like this, there's the ride at Cedar Point and there's all these, you know, the pop culture milestones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But the they said that they actually believe it's less popular today. And I personally read that as there are so many people moving out of the southern parts of the state that maybe they're taking off maybe they're leaving the state and with them go some of the yeah. the traditions and the oral mm-hmm. history of, uh, that you know those people would normally be passing on mm-hmm. that's my own read on it and yeah. the guy i asked didn't think that was the case oh but, but who knows that sounds what a great and think overall because i was really interested in he his reaction uh, to the trip. I'm going to tell this incredibly corny story, and I want you. It it, it he's 15 years old. He's like the uh, just a wide-eyed 
naive kid and yeah. he's sitting at the uh, the dinner table with his eyes closed. He's sitting there with his feet up on a, on a stool. He's leaning back and he's got his eyes closed. And I was like, you okay? It's kind of like late at night. We've been working all day. And he said, I'm just... I'm just replaying everything in my head that's happened so far. And he said he wanted to make sure he could remember it all because sometimes his memory fails him. It's like how he put it. And he said he was trying to relive all the moments from the trip uh, as they happened. So I think it meant a lot to him. And I think he had a blast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think we all had a blast. The crew, you know, I mean, Dave Knopf was there Mm -hmm. and Dave, Dave's great. Like you just hand him the camera and he does his, he knows what to do. And he's got his own, like, it's like Zach. They both have their own thing they want to do. They, they have a style they want to achieve and they go do it. Mm-hmm. And of course we have meetings. We talked about everything leading to the shoot, like what we were trying to pull off with it. That's, a, I think that's another thing I should probably mention. I think stylistically the interviews in this are a really unique combination of old, old school STM and new school STM. Mm. Because it's, we were shooting in a lot of the time natural environments, so that we shot two interviews outdoors. Oh yeah. Um, but we, but we were able to control some of the environments in, a, in an interesting way, and I think that comes through. When I mean, you've seen like the sizzle reel, like mm-hmm. we shot a guy in a fishing, in a fishing hut. Yeah. Like there's, but we were able to light it and do right. things with the lighting that made things look a little more stylized. So that was new. For us because i don't typically we, we aren't doing that you know like um bell witch we shot everything in the cabin mm-hmm. and and didn't shoot hardly anything you know, that wasn't where we couldn't control, control anything. It. yeah uh, but in this situation we were kind of like merging out of control and in control yeah <laughs> so that was cool cool um but yeah i think that's it for this week we're gonna be back we're gonna talk about the olympic peninsula tune in next week become a squad member watch the show watch hauntings uh oh production diaries Ruguru. if you want to see a lot of what's happening i mean just uh there were two handy cams going during the boat cruise or during during the swamp tour so if you want to see like what that looked like oh yeah um great in a real world not in the movie you're going to get little yeah clips of it uh if you want to see what the actual boat cruise was like you become a squad member watch i want to see diary. captain caviar yeah it's I think they were filming while we interviewed him, or while he was telling us about all this, too. Yeah, good. Yeah. All right. See you guys next week. Mm -hmm. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.